0: This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So each week during Lent, we have some of our young people, some of our youth and our children are to be reading the scripture for us um, during this very holy time. And, and that particular piece of scripture um, really reminds me of um, how... Uh, it's actually the last thing that Jesus says as he departs, it's the ascension. And so, you know, and we have, we're in this season of Lent, there's the 40 days of Lent that we go from uh, Jesus' baptism, 40 days in the wilderness, and he begins his ministry, and then there's the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. And so this particular piece of scripture comes from the last thing that Jesus says. And what's very interesting about this is, you know, um, a lot of times the last word or the last thing that's said is the, most clearest uh, Jesus speaks with clarity matter of fact if you go back and I thought this is very interesting if you could look at that specific piece of scripture the kids just read but the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you this is Jesus talking and will give you power you will be my witnesses you will tell people everywhere about me and Jerusalem and the rest of the Judea and Samaria and every part of the world. You know, um, this is this is really clear. This is really clear for Jesus. And this is actually a non-negotiable for Jesus. This is to say, hey, listen, if you feel if you feel like you've got time, if you can fit it into your schedule, this is what you should do. This is not what Jesus is saying. You get to the very end, the last thing Jesus says, he speaks with clarity, non-negotiable. This is exactly what you need to do. Go and tell and spread spread the good news of, Jesus, of my message all around the world. All around Jerusalem, all over Judea to the ends part of the world. This is Jesus speaking with clarity. I think it's really interesting when you think about the sometimes the last word is really the most clear, the clearest word. I love John Wesley's last words on his deathbed. This is what he had to say. The best of all is God is with us. That's what he said. Clarity. So we start this brand new sermon series and and the key word I want to share with you all today has to do with courage of Clarity. And um, and so uh, Tom Berlin, I heard him speak a few months ago, and he wrote this book at the very beginning of um, the pandemic. And so it's entitled Courage, Jesus, and the Call to Brave Faith. And so, um, this, is, so this is where we're headed over the next uh, few weeks as we walk through Lent. Today we're going to talk about the clarity of courage, and then next week the conviction of courage, the candor of courage, the hope of courage, the fortitude of courage, the passion of courage, and the assurance of courage on Easter Sunday morning. And so we're going to talk a lot about courage. And so um, I, I went back and looked up the definition uh, for courage, and um, so this is what Webster says, the ability to do something that frightens you, Courage. So um, I, I thought, well, you know, Pastor Allen just prayed a prayer about what's happening in Ukraine, and, and so I, I thought, okay, I've seen a lot of courage uh, with the Ukraine people. Uh, I saw husbands putting their wives and their children on trains and sending them off in order that they can be, well, they're going to be refugees, and, and th- then the husbands were going back in order to fight. Uh, I saw a, a person stand in front of a Russian tank the other day. Now that takes courage. I heard the president of Ukraine, when he was in a press conference this last week, and you probably saw it in the news, they asked him, um, are you afraid of, that you might die? He says, oh yeah, I'm afraid that I could die. And then he got, and the next question was, so well, are you gonna leave? And he says, absolutely not. I'm not leaving. It's most like that mentality of, I'm go-, and, you know, he's the captain of the ship, and if the ship's going down, I'm going down with it. Uh, uh, courage. And so, you know, I thought about, here's two points where I'm, where I'm going with this message. Today. Courageous decisions in life are rooted in clarity. Number two, clarity helps sustain courage over time. And so, um, one of the things that um, Tom Berlin wrote in this book, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm quoting part of him, but then I put part of Harold in this, and here's, here's, what I, here's what I want to start with this. So, here is what I have figured out, and I would agree with this statement, by reading the gospels that jesus has to be the most courageous person i have ever known and he goes on and says what has been able to what he was able to accomplish in just 3 years is truly amazing not only with the speed but with courage you can see this quality emerge in some of the most challenging situations he touches the untouchable people he attends to people with questionable reputations he confronts power head on he calls sinners to draw near He calls out the hypocritical leaders. He says hard things to both friends and family. He takes on the impossible. He calms turbulent seas. He casts out demons in a cemetery. One of the most important things Jesus does in life, especially here, and here we are in Lent, he confronts death instead of running from death. He could have very easily just, well, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane that night when he was being portrayed. He could have just slipped over the well, the little mountain that he was on and slipped off into the desert and just gone up with his life. But he doesn't do that. He goes there instead. Now that's courage. So um, I was... Um listened to a seminar the other day. Pastor Ellen and I attended it. And it was on a, a, a web. I mean, it was on uh, one of those um, online things. And so, to get my continued education. And, and so one of the things they talked about in this seminar was about evangelism. And they were talking about this book. So I asked Ellen to get this book and it's entitled Bless. And so, the, 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 they have a kind of a new way of thinking about evangelism. And so, You know, that was the term I grew up with was the word evangelism. Evangelism means that we go out and, you know, we talk about Jesus, we share Jesus in any way that we can. And so they had a new term for evangelism and they they talk about it and they said, you know, in, in our culture today and trying to reach younger people especially, they don't understand evangelism. They aren't familiar with that term. And so one of the things they talk about this book is how can we well we're doing evangelism, but Maybe term it in a different way. We call it how can we bless people? And so one of the things they talked about in this, he talk, they talked about using the word bless as kind of an acronym. Begin with prayer, uh, listen, listening to questions, eat together. In other words, break bread together. Serve other people and be able to share your story. I think that's actually pretty good. So there's a kind of a new term out there for evangelism: is how can we bless people? And then they talked about, and I thought, this is very interesting, is that in, in our society, in, in our church society, in the way that we you know, reach people, they talked about in, in, over the last 10, 20 years, is that ch- the church has to be relevant. Relevance has been kind of one of those buzzwords in life and in, in the life of church. You know, when you when you preach the gospel, when you're when you're doing church, you're you're uh, doing missions and evangelism. You know, you've got to be relevant. And then they said, you know, there's a new term out there, and I and they switched it from relevant to the church needs to be authentic. And I thought, okay, that's an interesting term. So, you know, um, when I think about, you know, relevant church or relevant preaching, I think that, you know, I I try to be relative each week. I know that um, there are are times in my life that, you know, some of you all are thinking, you know what, I I actually got that. Man, sometimes I've heard people say, you know, Harold, you were talking to me today. You must've know what was going on in my life. And then there are other times I've heard, Harold, I was wondering when you were gonna land the plane. I've heard that too, right? (laughs) So I get it. I get somewhere in between, okay. So relevant, yeah, I try to be relevant each week. So the idea of relevant is good, I mean, to be life applicable, but also the word to be authentic, to be authentic Christians, to be true from the depth of our call to, to our core, to, to be genuine. I thought this was actually pretty cute. I was um, down on Friday morning to get my license renewed down at the annex down there at, on 466A. And um, so I went in, and there's a lady there. Her, I think her name's Ruth. And um, she's, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe in her early 60s or so. And and she is the perfect person for that job. She is uh, bubbly, she's uh, warm and welcoming, pleasant. So she's like the gatekeeper in order to, you go through roof in order to get to the back to what, pay whatever your bill you're going to pay or whatever you're trying to do. And I said to Ruth, I said to her, um, I'm just here to get my um, license renewed. And she said, so she hands me the clipboard and, and welcomes me. So after I'm sitting there filling out the paperwork, so this other little, this young mother comes in. She's got two adorable little children. One of them is three and one of them is four. The little boy, he's three, he's got this backpack on. And I'm serious, the backpack is probably bigger than him. He's toting around. He's so excited about his backpack. They go backpack. And, this, and his sister's there, she's four, and she looks up at the woman, Ruth, and she says, Why are your teeth yellow? <laughs> and the mother's like aghast, like, What are you saying? <laughs> And I thought to myself, well, at least she's being authentic, right? She's being genuine. And Ruth didn't think either. And she just smiled and pleasant. She said, hey, it's fine. You know, yes, when you get older, your teeth get yellow. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'm thinking about this this week about courage, authentic courage. Um, and I, I made a little list here about like top 10 list of uh, take what about courage today in our lives. Like, Public speaking takes courage. Uh, Getting a root canal takes courage. Uh, Taking your driver's license test and having to parallel park, I remember doing that. Standing up uh, to a class bully. Asking someone out for a date. Uh, Taking the last shot at a basketball game. Going to school when you're, or going back to school, going back to college when you're 40 something. Getting arrested for a cause, going off to war. Preaching your first sermon. My, my first sermon was so bad, I'm, I'm actually thankful they let me come back. I, that's a true story. And so then I started thinking about this, this idea, relevant, and then the idea, authentic, and then started putting it together because, see, I, I think that Jesus Christ's message was always relevant. I mean, you can't get any more relevant than Jesus' death and resurrection. Give amen on that. Uh, it's always relevant. You, you, you look at the core of why we're here today. You look at the core of the gospel and what it all comes back to. It comes down to Jesus' death and resurrection. And that, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, never gets old. It's always relevant. That's why we're here today. To celebrate and remember and commemorate and understand the depth and the gravity of Jesus' death. But the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the way, we're going to have Easter here in a few weeks. This is the beginning. And let me tell you something. Do you realize as we think about as Christians, do you realize that every single Sunday when we get together is considered a mini Easter? Don't miss the detail. We're here to celebrate that every week. And so then I started of think about, okay, so we have relevant, but we have this authentic. So you have the relevant message of Jesus Christ plus the authentic messiahship of who Jesus is. And he equals courage and brave faith. This is who we are. And this is who Jesus is. You know, and that I started thinking about, okay, so this is think about authentic courage. I talked about Clarence Jordan last week. That guy had authentic courage. I think about Millard Filler, who started that little bitty movement called the Habitat for Humanity. Do you realize? I think I've got a slide of this. Do you realize that Habitat for Humanity has actually reached 29 million people? And it all started with Clarence Jordan back in 1942 at the Cornelia Farm. When the KKK came and they leveled his farm and guess what? He didn't give up. That takes courage. Abraham Lincoln, he had authentic courage. Martin Luther King Jr. had authentic courage. Gandhi had authentic courage. Nelson Mandela had authentic courage. Mother Teresa, she had authentic courage. My friend Michael uh, Stromiello was at Men's Breakfast the other day. He was talking about heroes in his life. And and he talked about, you know, a lot of times we think about heroes. Heroes, you know, big people, you know, celebrity or something like that. But, you know, uh, heroes are a lot of times in our lives are just simple people that maybe God's put in our lives. And, well, they're people that we look up to, we admire. They've influenced our lives. My my father was my hero in my life. He was one of my heroes. And then I started thinking about... um, heroes in the Bible, do you know who I think are some of the greatest heroes in the Bible are women in the Bible? Uh, The people who are, when you talk about heroes in the Bible, these are people who have authentic courage. Like, like that woman who shows up in Simon's house who's uh, one of the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus, Simon invites him to come to uh, dinner. Uh, There's a party there. Jesus goes and there's this woman who shows up. She crashes the party. uh, bathes Jesus' feet feet with her tears in her hair. That, that took, that's authentic courage. Uh, the, the hemorrhaging woman and people pressing around Jesus. And Jesus fills the power of flow from him into her. She's healed. And, and he says, well, well, somebody stop. Who touched me? Well, you mean who touched you? There's hundreds of people around you Lord. No, somebody touched me. The woman says, I touched you. Now that's authentic courage. Uh, the, the woman, the well after Jesus finally breaks through, what does she do? She goes and she becomes an evangelist. She goes and blesses other people and tells everybody, could this really be the Messiah? He knows more about me than I know about myself. Now that took courage. And then I started thinking about the, the woman who was caught in adultery. Oh, there's somebody who's got courage. Not just any courage, authentic courage. Clear. Clarity. Who's left to continue, uh, um, woman? And, and then she says, Well, no one, Lord. And then Jesus says, Go and sin no more. Now it takes authentic courage to be able to go and sin no more. Can we amen on that? So you look at the, all these, these beautiful women in the Bible. I, I mean, man, you talk about having courage, but not just any kind of courage. I mean, I'm talking authentic courage. Do you realize that the word courage is mentioned about a hundred times in the Bible? But only one time by Jesus. One time. Here it is. I have said this to you, said that in me you have been, well, you'll have peace, In the world, you will face problems or you will face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world, Jesus. It's the only time Jesus says anything about courage. What I love about that, and one of the things that Tom Berlin talks about in this book, he says, you know, Jesus is preparing his disciples for death. He knows that they're going to have this miserable, painful, go through all this persecution. But he says, hey, listen, take courage uh, um, because Your courage is rooted in what I have already done. And what I have already done, Jesus says, I have already conquered the world. Take courage. You know, here's the interesting thing. Do you realize that this particular piece of scripture, the only time that Jesus talks about courage, actually you have to go back to the story before the story. You ever heard that before from your senior pastor? (laughs) And so you go back to the story. So let me teach for a second. So the story before the story actually goes back to these words of Jesus goes back to Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. And so Moses, you got to look at the context. So Moses is tired, you know, by golly, I, you know, he's 120, 120 years old. When you're 120, you're entitled to be tired. I just want you to know that. He's worn down. He's been a desert with the children of Israel for 40, year, 40 years, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, they have wore him down. And, and so there's this place in which um, Moses is, Actually, talking to the children of Israel because he knows they're not, he's not gonna be able to go into the promised land. And so here's Moses' words. And so this is not really a pep talk. This is kind of like a father to daughter or a father-son conversation he's having with the children of Israel. And this is who he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, Moses. And what's very interesting about that is that Moses says, basically is saying, listen, you don't need me. You, you don't need me. What you need is to continue to trust in the Lord. And the trusting in the Lord, take courage. You don't need me anymore, but trust in the Lord. Courage is when we think about that God continues to believe, that we continue to believe that God is continues to be present in our life. That's what Moses is getting at. So take courage. It's gonna be okay. Where in your life have you seen authentic courage? Think about that. Um, I gave you some examples of women in the Bible, but maybe about your own personal life. For example, here's one. Um, once upon a time, I was, uh, I was, probably in junior high school, high, maybe high school. My, my friend, Bruce Simpson, um, I think Bruce is probably in his late thirties, 40 years old. My, we were sitting up in the balcony. My father was preaching at, um, at Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church in, in Lakeland, Florida. And so Bruce and I were sitting there listening. It was, I think it was a Sunday, it was a Sunday night service. And so, um, all of a sudden, Bruce is sitting next to me. Bruce is a very good friend of mine. I loved his family. They adopted me. And the Simpsons were a very part, very integral part of in my life. And I'm very grateful for them. So Bruce is l- older than me. And so all of a sudden, I see Bruce get up. In the middle of my dad's sermon, I'm thinking, where's he going? Next thing you know, you know what Bruce is doing? He's walking down the center aisle. And he's walking t- right towards my dad. And I'm thinking, what is this all about? And my dad's in the middle of the sermon. So he goes and he says, he goes and basically interrupts my father. In the middle of the sermon, like in mid-sermon, he says, Hey, Reverend Hendren, I've got something to say. And my dad says, Okay. <laughs> so he turns the pulpit over to Bruce. And so Bruce says, this is what Bruce has to say. I've never seen anything like it. Never seen anything before and I've never seen anything like past. This is what Bruce says. He says I just want you to know, I was sitting up in the balcony and I really feel as if that God's caught me in the go in the ministry. So I just need to share that with you. Wow, now, now to me that's authentic courage. I, I put a picture up last week of my friend Indai, um, bless her, who received a Habitat-Free Humanity home because of Clarence Jordan and Miller Fuller. She's one of the 29 million people. So when Indai came back from Africa, my family and my church family were really integral and being able to bring her back from Africa to be, to be able to live here. And so when we picked her up at the Miami airport, um, Donna says, where are your bags? And, and I says, I don't have any bags. She says Donna, and she has this little black bag. It's a tote bag. It's not even a backpack. It's a tote bag. It's something about the size that you get at Publix, right? And she says, this is my bag. And she had all her children in tow. And everything that was in that little bag. bag, Was things that Donna had sent them. From America to Africa. And she was bringing them back. See to me. For her to come to America. Took authentic courage. Um, Clarity. Are we crystal clear. Of who we are. And who God's called us to be. So let me just share this with you. Um, this is really important. So I hope you listen closely. Uh, Jesus went out to the desert. So he's, this is the beginning of Lent. Okay, so Jesus is baptized. By who? John the Baptist. And then the Bible says, immediately he goes out to the wilderness. Matter of fact, I got a picture of the wilderness. Here's a picture of the wilderness. Um, Let me tell you something. The wilderness is harsh. Been there, it's hot, and the Bible tells us all right that Jesus is in the wilderness for how long? Forty days and forty nights. Didn't have anything to eat, drink. We don't know exactly how he survived. I don't know how he did, but he did. The Bible also gives us this detail that that while he was out there, guess who shows up? The devil. And matter of fact, if you go back and look at your your Bible and my Bible, it says the temptations of Jesus. There are three. What's very interesting and powerful that first of all the devil says, "Hey Jesus, if you really are the Messiah, then why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread?" Okay. Then he says, and they take them to the top of the temple and says, "Jesus, if you really are the Messiah, then why don't you throw yourself over and the angels, of the Lord will come and well, they'll save you." Um and. Jesus quotes scripture each time. And then they gets to the third one. So Jesus takes them out on this top mountain range. And says, Listen, if, if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. And, and so there are three terms for that. Um, and, and by the way, here they are terms. Self-sufficiency, self-promotion, and self-enhancement. And it goes to interesting, Jesus is never about any of these things. He's not a, look at Jesus's ministry and nowhere in the Bible did we find anything about Jesus ever being self-sufficient, self-promotion, self-enhancement. We don't find that anywhere in the Bible with Jesus. So what's very powerful that I think is important part about this, this story is that maybe, you know, we, we have a tendency to think that these temptations were a really big deal to Jesus, I mean, oh my gosh, he's out there and he's hungry and tired and weary and, and he you know, could have easily fallen to these temptations as the devil continues to hammer away him. But then Tom Berlin had given me this very interesting insight in the book and I never had thought about it in this perspective. He says, maybe the temptations were absolutely no big deal to Jesus. Nothing to Jesus. And the reason why they were nothing to Jesus is because Jesus already knew who he was and what it was about because if you know who you are and what you're all about, you know what you're not all about. Now, let me say that again because this is really important. If you know who you are and what you're all about, then you absolutely know what you are not about. Okay, let me say that again. If you know who you are and what you are, then you know exactly what you are not about so for the devil to come and tempt Jesus and throw these three different temptations at him Jesus knew exactly what who he was and what he was about and therefore if you know who you are and what you're about then you know what you're not about and therefore Jesus these temptations maybe they're absolutely nothing to Jesus you know why because Jesus knew the boundaries and maybe that's what we can learn from Lent this year as we understand who we are and what we're all about. And if we know who we are and what we're all about, then we know exactly what we're not about as Christians. Clarity. So um, here's the last little part. Does everybody get that? Because I don't want you to leave this room without getting that. That's really, really, to me, that was the aha moment for the beginning of Lent, knowing. By the way, here's an interesting, quick little story, is that um, I was talking to the Hawks last night, He read that, and they heard my message, and, and we were, uh, I was walking out to my car, and, and so uh, Mr. Hawk was explaining to me, uh, when I was talking about that particular quote, and he says, you know, Harold, I went to uh, Lowe's the other day. Here's a classic example. He says, I went to Lowe's the other day, and I bought these little, um, evidently, stones, and he, I think he ordered, had... 10 or something, he had 10 of these stones he was putting around his garden or something and they only charged him for 5, when he got home he realized, well something's not right and so then um, he needed when he went back, he had to go back like the next day or so and he went back and he said you know what um, um, he had to get 5 more, he says I tell you what, and he went to the cashier, the guy and he says don't charge me for 5 you need to charge me for 10 and the guy looked at him, why do you want me to charge you for 10, he says because i Yesterday I was in and I I evidently you guys undercharged me and so I want to make sure I get charged for the extra. And the guy looked at him and says, you're going to heaven, aren't you? (laughs) And then he reached in his pocket and handed him a cross. Isn't that amazing? I love that guy at Lowe's. I mean, so there's a classic illustration. If you know who you are, And what you're all about, then you know what you're not. Okay, so here's my last little point today. So um, courageous decisions are rooted in clarity. And the last part is clarity helps sustain courage over time. Let me say that again. Clarity, Clarity helps sustain courage over time. And so let me tell you something. So um, when you think about Jesus's ministry in those three years, don't you realize that Jesus was constantly being scrutinized? I mean, it would have been so easy for Jesus to cave. I mean, they called him. You know, what I looked up names that people called Jesus. They called him a drunkard. They called him a Samaritan. They called him a sinner. Um, matter of fact, his own family called him crazy. He, he doesn't cave to any of that. And I think one of the reasons why that Jesus doesn't ever cave is because he goes back, he continues to have, he spent 40 days in the desert. And what does he get in the 40 days in the desert? He gets clarity. And I think that Jesus over those three years, even upon the cross as he's dying there, I think he went back and he was fulfilling his mission because he had crystal clear clarity about who he was and what he was not. And that sustained him. And so if you're crystal clear about what you're really clear about as a Christian, as a person, as a human being. Then you need to think about the idea that you can go through life with courage. Because this is who I am. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I am not ashamed of that. Courage. Clarity. I close with this little thought and I love this. Here's a picture of a little boy. Um, His name is uh, Brigger Walker. Here he is, and his little precious little sister. About, I don't know, maybe this happened a few months ago. Maybe you saw this on the news. Brigger, um, you see, Brigger's cheek is all kind of uh, chewed up there. And the reason why Brigger's cheek is all chewed up is that um, a German shepherd was coming a beeline at his sister and was about to attack her. And Brigger stands in front of his sister to protect her in order that she would not get attacked. So the German shepherd attacked him instead of his sister and he had to get 90 stitches in his cheek. When his daddy asked him, Bricker, why did you do that? He says, daddy, I knew if somebody had to die, it was gonna be me. Six years old. Now that is what I call authentic, clear courage. Here's what Jesus has to say about authentic, clear courage. Greater love has no end than this, to lay down one's life for a friend. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen.